Gospel reading for this morning comes from Mark's Gospel, beginning in the ninth chapter at the 38th verse, and Mark wrote these things. John came and said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able to soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Oh God, bless our contradictions, those parts of us which seem out of character. Let us be boldly and gladly out of character. Let us be creatures of paradox and variety, creatures of contrast, of light and shade, creatures of faith. God, be our constant. Let us step out of character into the unknown to struggle and love and do what we will. Open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to your word for us this day. Amen. Many years ago, there was a rabbi who asked his students, how do we know when night has ended and day has begun? Well, the students gathered around the fire that night and pondered the question in silence, really, for a bit. But then one of them spoke up and said, when I can distinguish my field from the field of my neighbor. Well, the rabbi smiled and said, well, that was a good answer, but it's not the one that I would give. There was more silence. Another student spoke up. When I look in the distance and I can tell the difference between a sheepdog and the sheep, and the rabbi smiled and shook his head. And then a great discussion broke out among the students. What about when you can tell the difference between the mist and the clouds, or between your house and your neighbors? And on and on the students went. 
and the rabbi slowly lost his smile. Finally, he lifted up his hand and cried out, Stop! Do you see what you are doing? You are dividing the world between this and that, between what is yours and what is not yours, between neighbors and strangers. And the students grew silent, and one of them asked with a puzzled expression, Well, tell us, teacher, how do we know when night has ended? and day has begun. You're dividing our broken, fragmented world into even more pieces, said the rabbi. When you stop dividing, then you will be able to look into the eyes of another human being. And when you see there a brother or a sister, you will know that day has come. If you cannot see brother or sister, it will always be night. You know, ultimately, this reading for today, I think, emphasizes the whole notion of inclusiveness. I think it picks up a bit on where we were last week. Do you remember? The disciples had been arguing about who was the greatest among them, and Jesus told them not to seek position or prestige. And John comes forward and says, Hey, Jesus, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And what he conveniently leaves out, if you have read Mark's gospel up to this point, is that the disciples just previously could not cast a demon out of a young boy. And they ultimately had to drag the boy to Jesus, and Jesus cast out that demon. So now John sees someone being successful at what they were not successful about. So we tried to stop him because, you know, he wasn't following, not you, us. Was not following us. And there's this sense of privilege in the question, a sense of competitiveness. It hasn't left the group. It's just shifted a bit. You see, last week it was, who's the greatest among us? This week the competition now extends to other people, other groups, who are doing ministry in Jesus' name, they just haven't bothered to pay the franchise fee. But Jesus corrects them again, erasing the larger circle that they're trying to draw and enlarging it once again beyond their present vision. Jesus explains tolerance. For such a one doing a good work in his name will be slow to speak ill of him. And also, please note that it carries the idea that there is good work being done in Jesus' name beyond this small group of disciples, outside the sphere of his closest followers. We will never know all the good work that is done in Jesus' name by others outside of our own experience. Praise God. Praise God. And it gets even better, because Jesus says, now hold on for a minute, 
If one isn't against us, then one is for us. But even better than that, whoever so much as gives you a cold water to drink in my name will not lose their reward. They will be rewarded. However, if you put one obstacle in front of this little one in the way of immature Christians that causes them to sin, that will lead to condemnation in your own life. For anyone who shakes the faith of others is a danger to the community of faith. You know, it is said that you can divide the world into two groups. Since this is a chalk talk, I'm going to use the board. There we go. You can divide the world into two groups. Those who think that you can divide the world into two groups and those that don't. Jesus never, ever preached an us-and-them mentality. He just didn't. His message was always broader. It was more inclusive than that. There's two quick poems that illustrate this divide. First, by Jonathan Swift, who wrote Gulliver's Travels. He wrote this poem. It goes like this. We are God's chosen few. All others will be damned. There is no place in heaven for you. We can't have heaven cramped. That's one. Edwin Markham penned this poem. He drew a circle that shut me out, rebel heretic thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle that took him in. Two different ways of looking at the world. And then it gets hard. Because Jesus decides to amp it up a bit now. Letting us know in no uncertain terms that we ourselves are a hindrance to our own faith. And by the way, I don't know one single biblical literalist for this passage of scripture. Not one. Because Jesus says, guess what? If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye is the culprit, pluck it out. And one can almost see the disciples, much like us, looking at our hands and our feet, thankful for our eyes, for we all know that we should be handless, footless, and eyeless. It really doesn't take much for those parts of our bodies to stray, does it? Have my hands stolen or abused? Have they touched in the wrong way? Have they been lazy or involved in wrong activities? How about my feet? Have they walked into wrong places or have they gone down some forbidden path? Have they walked me away from what my real purpose is? Are they covered in the dirt of life? How about my eyes? Have they seen that which just should not be seen? Have they looked into the darkness trying to focus 
on the acts of darkness? Have they been the source of lust or covetousness or greed? And folks, in this climate, I believe this is a message we all still need to hear. All of the world's people belong to God. God's will is liberty and justice for all, all of the world's people. And there will be no peace in our world until each of us resolves to live out the message of Christ's love in our own families and neighborhoods. If you and I cannot love each other, there is no hope for the world. It is really that simple. There will be no peace in our world, in our neighborhoods, or in our families until there's peace in our hearts. The little girl had been naughty, so she was sent to her room for a quiet time. And afterwards, all smiles, she returned to her family saying, well, I prayed to God. Well, that's good, said her mother. Did you pray that God would help you to be a good girl? No, she replied. I prayed that God would help you to put up with me. <laughs> and I tell you this morning, most of us are like that little girl. We do wrong, but rather than repenting of our sins, we pray that God will just put up with us. And why not? We sin, God forgives. And some of us walk around with that very attitude. But folks, the core of what Jesus is saying here, I believe, is that sin is serious. We have a beast in us. And it may only reveal itself in the worst circumstances, but it's in there. And sin is serious. And it's serious because sin always hurts people. Sin hurts the sinner, but it also hurts innocent people. So I ask you this morning, will you just take it easy, please? Would you just be salty, be different, add your spice to gatherings, and allow others to add their own spice as well? Because I can tell you this for sure this morning. You are all loved. You are all gifted beyond your knowing. And you're created to live at the same time, in the same places, to bring about change to the world, no more, no less. So be salty and live at peace. And I think that's all I got to say. <laughs>